You've got to figure out your counting, dude. Dude, I was, I was, I, I was on rhythm here. At least in, in my saying it here, I was on rhythm. I don't know how that can happen. I, I, I mean, I, I can understand it like dipping out because of like packet loss or something. But you going three, two, one, that doesn't make any sense to me. That was absolutely not what I did, <laughs> at least here. <laughs> I, is there like, am I going to get inconsistent timing? Is that a thing? I, I mean, from what I've seen in video recording and or uh, video calls, that is absolutely what can happen. So when like internet speeds kind of dip or like change, is the internet getting have... worse? Internet is stupid because that sounds like that sounds like it getting worse. That sounds like it didn't used to do that. That sounds yeah, like that's because, a new uh, thing. There's there's a lot of things from what I've from what I understand. There's a lot of like. Uh, audio call and video call software that's switching over from um, uh, what is it? UDP to TCP. Gosh, what I, I thought that backwards. was like the ports, like for, for port forwarding. Yeah. So, but the the difference between TCP and UDP is that uh, <laughs> this is totally totally not at all anime. <laughs> that's fine. But, um. Oh gosh, I I always get them confused. Anyway, uh, I think it's UDP is the one that broadcasts without checking to see if something is listening, and TCP is the one that broadcasts only after it makes sure that something is listening. And so when things switch over from being UDP to TCP, then that means that it's no longer just sending the information. Uh, it's just it's waiting to make sure that you're listening. And then once it sees that you're listening, then it sends all the information. And so you're seeing a lot of video uh, call record or call software and um, audio call software. That's uh, like when something isn't listening or when it's seeing that there's some sort of an issue, it's holding back the information. And then once it makes connection, it pushes that information faster. And so you'll have some slow down and then some speed up once you get a connection again. Well, why would it choose to downgrade? I, I, sounds that worse. is a good question. I, I feel that like, is a good question. I feel like things just operating as if you're broadcasting them, like everything else we've ever used ever, much like real life. Like, the, you can fill in the gaps using inference. Like if it dropped out and then it comes back, it's like, oh, okay, I know what that is. Especially like timing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a poor choice. That's appalling. Uh, I I'm I'm appalled <laughs> at, at <laughs> Discord, and I guess apparently tech as a whole. I'm fairly certain Microsoft Teams is going towards that as well, which I am forced to use with my job. So, oh boy, I I love how. Uh, I love when you find out, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's like, why does this exist? Who would use this voluntarily? And then you find out, it's like, oh, no one's using it voluntarily. It's been sold. Right. It's been sold to companies who force it on their employees. Right. <clears throat> yeah, that's a, that, that's like a um, fleet trucks where it's like, mm. how is it? Or is, I don't know. Just, I guess, as, as an example, it's like, how would... How would like Chevy be selling this horrible truck? Like this is this is like the most common truck on the road, and then you find out well it's because the people driving them 
aren't the ones buying them. Like they're mm. being given to to like these fleet truck drivers. Anyway, the the cheap the cheap cars that uh, companies buy in bulk. Yeah, mass produced, and then they also sell it to consumers, and the consumers are confused. I mean, it's kind of like how you know, uh, I don't think CNN has this anymore, but CNN back in the day had like an an airport exclusivity thing. So it was like every TV in an airport is showing CNN. So it's like okay, well then we know we can't trust those numbers. <laughs> But yeah, I don't. Th- I actually don't think that's the case anymore. I think someone else bought them, or maybe there's that deal doesn't exist. Mm. Anyway, on topic, before we hit the five minute mark, so we watched <laughs> episodes 19, 19 through twenty one of Gurren Lagann, or at least we're going to talk about those. Daniel watched later because he is a man of weak constitution. Which is ironic, yes. considering I crippled, <laughs> considering what the show would inspire. But luckily for me, I just <laughs> literally ran out of time and couldn't have continued, even if I wanted to. I just had to go right to bed. I stayed up until like two a.m. the the night that this happened. Oh so. my gosh! <laughs> See, I can understand doing that like back in the day. But I, 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 when I think about like staying up late these days, or that's the thing, I don't even think about it. Like, I didn't either. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but like, uh, like when I was, I don't know, a teenager, and it was like, ooh, I'm gonna stay up late to do this, and I, and I thought of that ahead of time. Now it's mm-hmm. like, if I, if I was to decide to stay up late for something, I would have to like restructure my entire life around staying up late that one night mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh man, there will be consequences. I must be ready for them. Yeah. It's like, I will either need to be uh completely non-functional tomorrow right. morning. <laughs> exactly. Or I will be completely useless and awake. Right. Exactly. Uh, or, or it's like, I have to be able to sleep the whole day following and like mm-hmm. spend the next few days fixing that sleep schedule. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, the end of episode twenty-one is is a is a big big hype moment. Like that's <laughs> like it's almost like we're finally getting out of that malaise. Just in the mm-hmm. story, I don't mean like in the structure because I, I think this has been these last three episodes are well exciting. But oh, uh, yes. the sort of the sort of soft arc that is Ross U is the villain. Um, at the yeah, end, it's, at the it's end almost of, like the the promare. The uh, it's it's the promare um, arc, almost. Um, where you're talking about the one that like imitates it in from in terms of like themes, where it's like evacuation versus, uh, yeah, defeating and also, the enemy. I kind of kind of realized on this uh, <laughs> the other day when I watched through the rest of the show um, that, you know, Promare does like kind of have like the boiled down, uh, the boiled down version. The of essence. The essence. Yeah, there we go. Of, of Gurren Lagann. Uh, but at the same time, Gurren Lagann goes a whole lot further. And so we're like maybe about two thirds the way through um the promare story um you know because we're 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 at the point we're at the height where 
uh, Ross Yu is being forced to, to make all these really, really hard decisions. There's, um, and I, I think that, uh, I don't know. It was very exciting. Well, <laughs> went to see all of this again, especially after seeing Promare. What do you mean in that Gurren Lagann goes further? Uh, for me to talk about that would be us getting ahead of ourselves and talking about later episodes. Okay. Um, but where, but to keep to talk about Promare, you know, Promare ends when uh, Cray Foresight is stopped. Um, I, I think it was more like seeing, uh, I mean, you know, so it goes to. I don't know. I don't think Promare... you don't see you don't see you don't see the redemption of Cray Foresight. You see his stop, like the the ending of his decisions, um, or you, you see the end of his leadership per se, uh, or his leadership at the helm of him making all of these bad decisions. You don't see him begin the, uh, especially the mental change. You just see him be pretty much being handed a shovel, like, "Hey, you're gonna help us fix this." I think you do see um, the beginnings of his change. I mean, he is reacting okay. to everything. Also, I don't think, I don't think, uh, Promare ends with Cray Foresight's rescue because there's like the climactic scene of the movie is them burning out the Promare. I think that's the, like, mm -hmm. the climax, like, the, the obligatory scene. Like, where he says, I have to burn the earth. And then you have that glorious, extensive bit of animation <clears throat> yes, where they're, they're using uh, Galo de Leon to, like, pound the earth and like bathe it in flame that purple and teal flame i think that's the actual yeah, yeah. obligatory scene per okay. se and then i would say that that is analogous to what happens after uh ross you loses control of the story which is how i describe his defeat in grun Lagan. yeah okay okay because i i think uh that process okay so you've got the, so comparing the two between Gurnlagan and Promare, I think Cray Foresight and Ross Yu are not, they don't occupy the same space as yes, like a, a literary device, I guess. But they have similar motivations and they have similar actions. But uh, Cray Foresight, I would actually say it's more of a believable that he believes it. Whereas Rossiu is clearly acting in order to keep power. Yes. Like and Rock, you can Rossiu, also tell that he, his soul is conflicted. <laughs> who? Rossiu. I don't think so. I, oh. I don't think he's conflicted. And, and, and I, I only get there uh, in watching this. I would say it's pathological. I would say that he mm. has deluded himself into thinking he's conflicted. If that makes sense. But he is not mm -hmm. conflicted because the premises that he accepts and wants other people to accept is one that has nothing to do with the truth or what is necessary. It is whatever involves him keeping power or him getting all of the power. Like 
all of the things, everything he does is the ends justifying the means. Like he's completely possessed by that uh, idea mm-hmm. because nothing he says holds up to scrutiny. Like everything he says that doesn't make any sense, like the whole mock trial they run, like that was obviously rigged from the start. Uh, right. And like no yeah. one, no one, not okay, not no one, but uh, the people from the old faction, I guess, the people from Team Diguran don't take it seriously. Like they, they and yeah. he starts talking about, you know, he he repeatedly changes his explanation for why he's doing the things he's doing. So like at one point he'll say it's so they can save as many people as possible, and another point he'll say it's because it's the law. Like he constantly changes what is his what his highest ideal is, <clears throat> uh, because at best he doesn't realize that he's possessed by his desire for power. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> the part where Simon says you know, come home safe and sound so I can be put to death properly after he's been uh, sentenced to death. It's like, yeah, Ratu also, the fact that he sentences Simon to death, he takes the core drill and says Gurren Lagann will be scrapped. It's like, he must destroy any possibility of the king returning. Because if the king returns, he loses power. But some part of him knows that if the king returns, everyone will be saved. But he goes back to being Rossio. Yeah. So and then you have to rely on Liron to say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I also, <laughs> I, I like how Liron, under anyone's leadership, still manages to like be successful. Like they create those. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what were they? Tornado shields. Yeah, something something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was like to con- contain all the anti-spiral particles to keep uh, all of the. Um, the collateral damage contained when they fought the, uh, I don't know what they're calling them. I can't, I can never remember. Mugens. Mugens. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a word that's used for so many things, but, um, yeah, I, I like how, uh, he, he continues to like, I don't know, regardless as to who's giving him orders, he'll like, mm-hmm. he, he, he still f- figures out how to win. But, uh, he gets his little fingers up in there. <laughs> I oh man, what was the comment he made to Gimme? <laughs> Though that that mouth of yours, what am I gonna have to do to keep it closed or something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that? <laughs> Gimme's like, I still don't know how to deal with this guy, <laughs> dude. Uh, Giga Drill Maximum. I forgot about that. I, I think that's not in the movies, but. That's a really cool oh, moment. Oh man, I, like I um, I'm I'm really curious to see everything that's different from the movies, especially with it this fresh. It's a lot. <clears throat> I mean, um, oh yeah. I think what's really frustrating and unwieldy about the movies is mm-hmm. that the movies are great for people who've already watched it, mm-hmm. but that inherently means you're gonna be retreading stuff. And then you're also going to be like, oh, wait, was that in the show or was that in the movie? Because they change some things, but they also add a bunch of things. And a lot of it's better, but you could argue that maybe it's better just because it, it 
helps it fit the because movie. We have the context of the, of the yeah yeah. But like that scene where Machin blocks a uh, a shot headed towards uh, Keaton, like he blocks mm-hmm. it with his gunman, and then you know that's when you have the reveal that uh, I can't remember her name, but the mechanic lady was, later later yeah. <laughs> she reveals that uh, none of the none of the old gunmen ever got scrapped. She's like, government types came by and wanted me to scrap them, so naturally I kept them in perfect condition. I kept them. In- I love when she looks up and the and the sunlight catches her glasses. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like makes her look so maniacal. <laughs> <coughs> also, they're like slightly different in some ways. Like uh, Keaton has like gauntlets on his gunmen now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. When Machin blocks that shot, that's like the first, that's like the biggest moment you get with Machin. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's been throughout the show, but that's like him directly interacting with one of the biggest characters being Keaton. And they kind of have a moment together, which elevates his character. He is barely in the movie, but the movie does something different with Machin that would make you really happy if you watched the show. So. Mm. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot that I had forgotten when I went through the rest of the show. And boy howdy, it was it, it wrecked me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that well, listen, we can't talk about that yet cuz we're not there, <laughs> Daniel. That was very irresponsible, Daniel. <laughs> but how dare I? <laughs> There, there was a... Well, I mean, if you can't stay on task, then how dare you? Uh, <laughs> without talking about anything past that, <clears throat> episode 19... I, I'm trying to remember how it ends. Yeah, it ends with Simone being put in prison. And, and then seeing Viral. Right. And uh, I, like, I just had to stop myself from literally writing down every single line Viral has <laughs> in these three episodes at least. Everything he said was a banger. And it's just like, this was, gosh, it's so satisfying. Like, everything, all the work that goes into Viral's character earlier in the show, like, I guess in the first part mm-hmm. before the time skip, all of it pays off here. And there's so much payoff. Oh, like, yes. Like, his and Simone's growth is so much fun to watch. Like, them kind of... You can tell that it's very early on. Like, of course, you know, they, they have their fights and their, and their back and forth. But before that even gets there, you can already tell they kind of get each other better than they did before. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I guess Viral obviously like gets humans on a different level and like just them too specifically it's you can kind of yeah. tell it's like at this point the rivalry is just just a uh, a formality i mean yeah it really is kayfabe <laughs> yeah yeah it literally it literally <laughs> becomes kayfabe later but uh <laughs> when they're fighting that bird guy i completely forgot uh the like the progression of that fight. Like, I of mm-hmm. course remember him, like stopping the guy from attacking Simone, but then <laughs> I forgot, like he kicks him into that wall and then he falls through like a Looney tune. And then <laughs> immediately Viral and Simone start fighting. 
And then that guy gets mad because no one's paying attention to him. <laughs> and then they both kick him into the same wall, but upside down. I totally, f- I had l- zero memory of that. Yeah, and then the, uh, <laughs> and then the those two guys ganged up on that poor bird man. <laughs> <laughs> like what? <clears throat> but yeah, that uh, does get them put into uh, adjacent cells. Solitary. Yeah. Or well, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I was like thinking there there's something to Nia that I'm missing right now. It may it may make more sense once we watch a few more episodes, but <clears throat> like the times that she shows up and the kind of, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the information she chooses to relay to certain people, mm-hmm. it, it kind of, it breaks the spell per se that this is some, you know, uh, what do you say? Kind of an inevitable, unstoppable force because mm. her her timing and like who she appears to and what she tries to say is clearly deliberate and strategic and if your enemy's strategizing he thinks he's gonna lose or he thinks there's a chance he can lose especially in this show like yes. if your opponent is team Diguran and you're falling back on strategy, that means you're really worried. <laughs> yeah. and um, Because they don't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, that I, I I was really... One, the whole scene where Yoko comes in. That oh, was gosh. Okay. Great scene. So you want to talk... <laughs> but, you want to... Here, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Finish your thing. Oh, but, but I, I was going to say that, uh, yeah, there is... Um, it does feel like there's some we're like watching Nia appear and we're just the enemy is kind of showing their hand yeah. in making her appear. Right. Where it's kind of like, what are you doing here? Like, supposedly you've told us everything. Like just we obliterate need to know. us and don't don't uh, obliterate us and don't uh, don't talk about it. Yeah. Like uh, she, she wouldn't be monologuing if she knew she had this in mm-hmm. the bag or I guess the anti spiral wouldn't be monologuing. They they wouldn't be mm-hmm. sending Nia down. Um, I, I I there was something I should have written this down, but there was something I was thinking about the um the dynamic between the humans, the beastmen, and the anti spiral. And now it's 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 kind of like the beastmen are are kind of. Especially once you learn that the Spiral King was like, in quotations, he was once human. Mm-hmm. Like, you find out that the Beastman leader was at least a fallen human, per se. Like, one one who had turned his back on humanity. But uh, mm-hmm. now you see the state they're in. And it's like, I do kind of feel for that Birdman. Where they like they they took his wings away and then they put him in a prison. Yeah, and it's like that is most certainly inhumane. So like also like this this prison and you know what was going on with the freedom fighters and stuff was unbeknownst to Simone. That was all Rossiu's little side project 
that you know yeah. the king doesn't need to know about that. Um, <clears throat> the king can keep his hands clean of this, right? Until it's time for me to make his hands dirty and get rid of them, <laughs> <laughs> right? So that I, I can have all the power. But uh, there, the kind of the imbalance of the world is not just humans are progressing too fast. Mm-hmm. There's also the issue that it's like the humans haven't made room for the beastmen, which is, you know, kind of a metaphor for nature. Mm-hmm. And uh, also the beastmen are hybrids. I mean, if you've been watching <laughs> the same YouTube videos I've been watching, uh, when you <laughs> when you don't make room... For the things that belong at the edge. Like, for instance, when you try to destroy the edge, when you try to contain it in a prison, for example, it's like that's creating pressure because things are in places that they don't belong. Like everything's going to yeah. fall apart on you. And it's it's not uh, a coincidence that the king and the beasts team up in the prison in order to like restore the proper order and then the whole um like when viral and uh and simone are shooting up into space and then they give that whole monologue about how the destinies of humanity and beastmen are intertwined (laughs) right (sighs) uh also also that was the speech that i was like yeah i can't stop that's also that's the defining moment where that's when Rossio has lost control of the narrative, and that was where mm-hmm. all of his power came from. Like the fact that he needed to broadcast to people, like after they saw Gurren Lagann leave to go to go fight the the, the Mugen like mm-hmm. fleet. When it's I loaded guess. up with a whole bunch of explosives, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> when he goes to fight them, and the people see that and they're confused, and then Rossio appears on every screen to explain what's going on. And kind of mm-hmm. gets them reassured to stay on his side. And the fact that Rossiu is putting this girl who, I mean, is, is clearly in love with him, yep. uses her as the insurance to make sure Simone, not, not that Simone doesn't escape because he's not worried about Simone escaping, because Simon is an honorable man. He's not he's worried about Simon going out on his own terms. No, right. He's well specifically he says he doesn't want him to be going out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. Because that would be glorious. Right. That would immediately get people back on the side of the king uh who is now rescuing them in the way that they know he is meant to rescue them. <clears throat> uh, but like he puts, I—I uh, I mean, I of course they don't really establish that they're like dating or anything, but mm-hmm. Rossiu clearly knows that she's devoted to him in a way that is that is beyond just you know um, uh, superior, like superior officer or something, commanding officer. <laughs> it's clearly yeah. more than that because uh, that that guy with the glasses. He's not privy to the same thing she is, and he is like only answering to Simone as a superior officer, as a professional, yeah, right. Because when he learns about some of the other things, he's like, "Okay, I didn't know this was happening." 
like this is making me a little nervous. But uh, with her, yeah, it's like she's the, she's completely devoted. So it's like, and she thought that she did this under her own free will, but it kind of was like a almost. It felt it feels like an orchestration listen, of Rossi's design. Well, also would would any would any man allow a woman to do this for him? No. Would any good man allow that? Of course not. That's why it's like insane. It's like even if she is supposedly just doing this because because she wants to do it for him, and supposedly mm-hmm. she thinks it's the right thing. Rossi ought to be putting himself in there before he puts right. her in there. Like, what would? Here's the thing, Simone. It could have been literally anyone. Rossi would know Simone would care about them dying. Like it, it could have just been some random volunteer citizen or, or it could have just been, it literally could have been just any no name and it would have had the same effect. But the fact that Ross, Yu is overdoing it. Like he, mm-hmm. he's specifically going into overkill where it's like, you're going to kill this person who, you know, and have known for a long time and you know is connected to me. Like, this is, um, he's trying to overwhelm Simone. But like mm-hmm. what I was saying with Nia, it's like, you're kind of showing your hand. You're, you're kind of showing that you, you feel like you have to compensate. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Ross Yu's soul is conflicted. This is a, a man. This is a man whose soul is possessed by something that is unconflicted, and it's uh, it's only concerned with maintaining his position at the top of the hierarchy. Um, and you know, he he him being a person who is trying to order everyone into like the spot that is most useful to him. Yeah, I guess what now with that uh, with that lens. And looking at the scenes where he's like, um, you know, they're saying, well, like, now we only can fit like so many hundred thousand people on our ship and like the little beads of sweat that are going down his face. And it's more of a, um, well, that's that's fewer people. And that might sway or like uh, sway the the ratings, the public opinion, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. He's worried because this makes it harder on him, not because this is a difficult moral decision. He's already made all of those, which, um, Rossiu being the villain, that's fine. You don't really need to have the villain, the villain's origin story. Uh, I think that's part of the problem in a lot of bad modern media is they, Mm -hmm. they feel the need to explain every little thing, uh, that isn't the protagonist. Like the protagonist is the only person we need any of this stuff for, if even that. Right. But, uh, <clears throat> him being the villain, you don't really have to explain how Rossiu got here, but the the go-to shortcut that they throw in there is that well this is he's acting just like the uh the guy in Jiha was it Jiha village? Yeah. No, that's where oh. that's where Simon was from. Oh, I can't remember then. I can't remember. I can't remember the village that they named dropped, that, but that yeah. That little that little uh community Hamlet. Yeah. The shortcut is that they're saying he's just following that guy's footsteps, which I think is interesting because I'd say he is pathologically doing it. 
Like he, mm-hmm. he he's more possessed. Whereas that guy, I would say, was uh, he had come to the conclusion that this was the best thing he could do. Now mm-hmm. he's more like Cray Foresight because Cray Foresight had all of the reasons. He had an answer to everything. Cray Foresight did. Yeah. And he was actually entertaining. Hilariously so. Right. It was a really funny scene. <laughs> They're like, look at these ama- look at all this amazing stuff you're making. Could it not have been used for this? And he's like, I've already done the calculations. It's not possible. As he <laughs> repeatedly like exceeds his previous potential. Like he is pushing himself further. <laughs> Which is just funny. Oh, man. But um Yeah, with Cray Foresight. I think he he also wears all of his flaws on his sleeve and and all of his his hatred on his sleeve mm, mm-hmm. after after the um I guess the after he breaks character the first time he doesn't really unbreak that character after the fact <clears throat> whereas uh Rossu needs Simone to shut up and needs to get him out of the room ASAP because yeah. Rossi was worried that Simone will get through to him. Mm. So he has to get him to stop talking. <laughs> because if Simone is right about anything, then Rossi has to give up power. Especially if he convinces himself. Or or if Simone convinces Rossi, then Rossi yeah. is, has immediately lost his position of power. Because Simon yeah, so is the rightful really king. He's almost like uh, he is almost demonically possessed, and that and that demon is like, no, don't exercise me, don't be in the room with the priest. I, I would say that is literally what this is. <laughs> this this is a demon possession. I don't think he's at all morally conflicted about any decision he makes because the reasoning for it changes to fit the situation. To always put him on top, mm-hmm. the thing he holds valuable will change. The lives of the other people, um, uh, the their ability to stay calm and and trust the plan, the law, like he's always giving a different reason. Yeah, uh, I mean, before he he was using the excuse that Simon doesn't need to worry about this, and then now that he's in power, his excuse is, "Well, I'm the leader. This is what I should worry about." So yeah, he's he's just talking out of both sides of his mouth and uh it's all just to maintain his position of power at the cost of anything right. he says that i mean he he says oh i wrote this down um yeah yeah, yeah. okay so rossi sets the bar incredibly low in the stakes to the max so he says mm. you know we we have to make sure not everyone dies by any means necessary and it's like that's a really low bar, and you're saying that everything will justify that goal. Yeah. Which sounds a little familiar, but I don't want to draw the eye of Sauron, so <laughs> I'm not going to point out how this is applicable to modern times, but the fact is, this is applicable to any time you could pick. Like, you could right. just you could throw a, throw a dart at a timeline... I guess in human history and yeah. you will figure it out. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll find it. Yeah. You figure out that there is some, there is someone possessed by an evil force that is dictating this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Episode 19. Oh, I mean, everything I was talking about just then 
was, I think, from episode 19. But yeah. Yeah, episode 19 was pretty much the entire um, Getting the political struggle between. Yeah, because after that, Simone's out of the picture until he comes back, until the king returns. Right, and, oh. and that's actually <laughs> a, a terrible place to have him. It was actually a terrible place to get Simone out of out of sight and out of mind because right because then you couldn't keep an eye on right and this is exactly what happens when you leave Simone alone (laughs) is he has he now has a new army on his side and he will Uh, get he will get current lock on back when he opens up the door and immediately catches the core drill and then there's entire like team Gurren just Uh standing right there yep okay so episode 20 and episode 21 mm-hmm. are kind mm-hmm. of the moment that modern Hollywood wants. Like, modern Hollywood wants that level of member berries. Mm. Like, the part where Keaton finds out what's going on, and because mm-hmm. Keaton isn't the brightest fella, he has to believe what, what Rossi is telling him, and it's also, his sister is also telling him this. But he's like, uh, he's like, I get it, but it doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah. I think it's, is it episode, yeah, episode 20 is kind of, Keaton gets his own little arc there. <clears throat> and it's kind of him, his character development there is to stop acting like his character will develop in this direction. That is the development he finally arrives at. Which is, yeah. this is not what I am. That I, I can't even pretend to be this. And, you know, him walking towards the Mugen with just a shotgun. Just a shotgun. <laughs> He's like, even if I don't have my gunman, it's like, this is the, this is the way I am most useful. Like, this, mm-hmm. is, this is me. This is what I'm supposed to be. And uh, I, can't, I can't remember who said this. I wrote it down. Oh, it was definitely Viral. Where he says... Human wisdom sure has its moments. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, oh, yeah, okay, so the beginning of it, dude, there's a lot in episode 20. There's the, yeah, basically episode the- episode 20 is, is stacked. Yeah, there's the entirety of the Viral and Simone thing mm-hmm. where, like, them kind of, basically them them just, you know, dropping the premise of- are we going to continue pretending we're enemies? Right. And then uh, <laughs> everything to do with Keaton. Yeah, like Keaton gets a lot of his own scenes mm-hmm. where he's just kind of, you kind of get him going about his day, you know, right before the apocalypse happens. He, he goes to see his niece and they have, you know, kind of, I guess, okay, so th- this is the benefits of a TV show versus a movie is you get this scene that you can never get in a movie, which is mm-hmm. Keaton, who is not one of the primary characters, going to see his niece and commenting that she has a worried look like her father. Right. Like, you just, you you, you don't have time for that in a movie. If you're doing that in a movie, yeah. you're wasting time. Sorry. Uh, unless Keaton, or you're the, uh, unless Keaton's or you're the main the character. extended editions of Lord of the Rings. Well, I, see, I don't know. Uh, I, I think I disagree with that because there's stuff that's in the extended editions of Lord of the Rings that make them objectively better movies than the theatrical. 
because the theatrical mm. just is missing plot points. Like what becomes of Saruman? Okay, because I was I was thinking about like um, when <laughs> when Gimli asks for a strand of hair, she gave me three. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that was funny. I. That's a good point. So I was think I was thinking of moments like that. That that does that does kind of feel like a TV show moment. <clears throat> and let's see. I mean, those three movies combined, all of their extended editions. I wish I, I wish I could remember exactly how long that took. But that is a freaking undertaking, dude. Yeah, it's it's a it's a twelve hour thing. Twelve a, hours. Twelve plus hours. Yeah, they like each each extended editions are at least three uh, three and a half hours, sometimes four. So almost 12 hours. I you, think you're going to so. need to set aside 12 hours in order to yeah. watch them all back to back. Between pee breaks uh, between the movies, because you ain't right. going in the middle of the movie. Yeah, and, and if you're watching them right, meaning you're watching them on the Blu-ray disc set, which despite, like like the, the 4K Blu-ray, which despite being 4K Blu-rays, there are still multiple discs <laughs> because they're like, Okay, let's get entirely new masters from the original film stock. Which is Jeez. exactly what they did, which is why it isn't it doesn't look upscaled. It's just a straight up new master. But uh okay, so the three films uh total uh 11 hours 23 minutes and 59 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to need to set aside um a little, a little, you know, a little, a little, you know, you're going to have to set aside a break and then have breaks for your break. Yeah. If you, if you're skipping, good luck holding you're your skipping the, the credits, you're, uh, you're at 11 hours and six minutes. Yeah. And it's like between <laughs> you almost, this can't be done alone. Like mm -mm. you have to have one person, <laughs> you have to both agree. All right. We each get one pee break. Someone gets the pee break between the first disc swap. The other gets the pee break at the second one. <laughs> and while the other person's peeing, you switch the discs. <laughs> <clears throat> we got to bang this out. <laughs> yeah. You can't waste any time. Anyway, uh, the, the, the stuff with Keaton, I had forgotten most of his scenes. Mm -hmm. I do, of, of course, remember like the that shot of him walking towards those Mugen with the shotgun. Yeah. Cause that's just a rad scene. Well, especially the, when they take the time to show him like putting the shells into the yeah. shotgun. Also the spiral <laughs> shells, which exist. Yep. <laughs> it's like you're at, you, you, we've now contained spiral power as if it's like gunpowder. Yep. <laughs> I, I love, I love that kind of stuff where it's like, Society has progressed in a way. I mean, it's it's just like in Outlaw Star, the the caster gun. Mm -hmm. It's like that, where it's like you've contained um, the unexplainable. Right. Like imagine if they if they did something in like see, you haven't seen Dragon Ball. Oh well, okay. It's kind of like in in Naruto, which I don't know if they do in Boruto or whatever, because it's kind of closer to modern times. But if in Boruto they had like the uh, the chakra could be like put into a gun that'd be freaking crazy mm -hmm. <clears throat> which actually i think the ninjas already kind of do that never mind yeah that's just part of what they do is they they infuse objects with chakra and then those objects can like 
work as bombs and traps and stuff. Okay, never mind. Uh, it's it's right there. Um, huh, okay. That's a cool that's a cool trope. I really like that. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it it is a sort of thing where uh, the the aging version of myself is like, yeah, but it'll it'll never replace the real thing. But it, it's also you know, it's just a cool world building thing. Yeah. So, also, I love how each and every one of the vehicles doesn't have wheels. They have legs. Yeah, that was a cool touch. Because it's like, uh, wheels just, they never really got around to wheels. It was kind of their, uh, the, the DNA, the the roots of their mechanical uh, mind, I guess. The, the mechanical collective subconscious in uh, mm-hmm. the Gurren Lagann universe is uh, legs, are the way to get around. So when Keaton's in that taxi, it's like galloping. <laughs> and it just looks really funny. And it's like, you know, you could have just gone with wheels and no one would have noticed. And it maybe would have... This makes it so much more interesting. Yeah, it, well, and it maybe would have like fit the more somber tone because it wouldn't have taken you out of it. <laughs> right. But the fact that they did it anyway... And it still remains a sort of, uh, uh, or, well, maybe not somber, but melancholic. Like, it still has mm-hmm. that atmosphere. And you can Very just... Very pensive. Huh? Very pensive. Yeah. It, you see it, and you can just kind of accept it, and you know why. And no no mm-hmm. further attention is drawn to it. It's like, it's so goofy, but it's so subtle. that <laughs> You're like, all right, you get that one. You get to be goofy. <laughs> But yeah, uh, the member berries, like I was talking about earlier, where it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, these sort of nostalgic moments where the you know the the feelings you had at the beginning of the time skip thing, where it was like, oh, I kind of liked how things were before. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It starts cashing all those in, and uh, this is like what I was saying. This is what Hollywood wishes it could accomplish, where it's like. This is the original work, and the original work includes the member berries because it's the same um, creative vision delivering them to you. Whereas what Hollywood does now is they unearth something from a long time ago uh, that either doesn't involve the creator or the creator expressly had no interest in this until you gave him a big enough paycheck so his heart's not in it. Like, um, right. Every, eh, dude. Everything to do with Alien Covenant is like trying to have these moments throughout the movie. And that's all the movie tries to be. All of them fail, and there's hardly a movie that like is there on the bones. I'm glad I have not seen it. <laughs> it's very bad. It's it's astonishingly bad. Ridley Scott is incapable of making good movies now. Um mm. that's why despite all the recommendations, I refuse to see House of Gucci. It's it's not gonna happen. I like Lady Gaga, but uh, you know I can I can like her and just listen to her music. I don't have to see another terrible Ridley Scott movie. But uh, I didn't even know that he directed that. He's busy, man. He does a lot. He's he's bordering on, um, not Nicolas Cage. That's the go-to. But there's a new one. Have you seen all those movies with Bruce Willis? The ones that are like that uh, have him on the cover, and he's the only person I, I who's recognizable. Yeah, his I, I, I 
like the posters, it's like the posters are all over just like the 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 uh, the free and fringe uh, streaming sites. Yeah, they're they're all up or, inside uh, of Redbox. And when you go to Walmart, it's like there's a, a whole section like the value section is entirely movies starring Bruce Willis that came out between 2020 and now. Yeah. <laughs> so Red Letter Media did a video on these. And oh, man. It's, it's not like when Nicolas Cage just, you know, at some point in his career decided he wouldn't turn anything down. Nicolas Cage will still do good movies and he'll like he'll elevate the bad movies. Bruce mm-hmm. Willis is arguably the worst part of any of these movies. And the thing was, I saw <laughs> one of them before I knew this was happening. I think it was it was either in 2020 or 2021 when it was happening. And there was that kind of uh, the moment to strike for all of these where it was like, oh, theater's closed, so nothing new is going to be coming out in theaters. It's all going to be coming out on video or on streaming. So you had that split-second doubt where it's like, oh, this would have been in theaters, but they had to just right. put it on here. Uh, I, I watched a movie called Cosmic Sin, which the poster ha- was really cool. I did cool. see the poster for that. I did see the poster for that. Yeah, it's like it's like sci-fi and has uh, like pretty cool-looking costumes at least like the costume design looked kind of cool and like mm-hmm. uh it, it looks like some thought went into making the characters look kind of like they came out of a comic book it isn't just you know guy in a spacesuit it's like there's there's you know there's some like color schemes on the spacesuit and mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. that movie was putrid it, it was borderline <laughs> unwatchable and bruce willis is easily the worst part according to red letter media that's the case for all of these really he brings oh, everything boy. down. <laughs> like they're at at a maybe two out of ten level, and he brings them to one out of ten. Oh, Whereas Nicolas Cage, being a freak on camera, will elevate some mm. garbage into being like, "This is hysterical. This is just a good time." And then sometimes he'll just genuinely be great in a great movie. I don't think Bruce Willis cares anymore. I think maybe. He's got some oh, alimony yeah. he's payments just there for the paycheck. Yeah, he's he's got to pay alimony. He wanted to retire a long time ago, but you know, unfortunately for him, he was a millionaire at the point that he got divorced. So, e. this is what's happening here. Um, what got me on that? Oh, uh, talk about Ridley Scott. Talk about member berries. Member berries. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, that thing with Bruce Willis is kind of the same phenomenon. They're trying to recapture something that is not theirs. They didn't make it. Like, mm-hmm. the reason Gurren Lagann can do member berries is because it's the same story. It isn't the soft reboot 20 years later. It's like, no, right. this is still the same thing. So that you're getting the same feeling, but it works. And, like, seeing uh, uh, that bullet go through Nia's hair, and then you see uh, Yoko kind of come into the light... It's like, mm-hmm. that is something that you know has been attempted a million times over like the past 10 years in every single soft reboot ever is they get, you know, some character or some, some actor from the old movies to show up for like a short scene where they, they're basically just there for a glorified cameo. At a very climactic moment. Right. And it, it's just hollow. It's fake. Because this is like yeah. fan fiction that's been stuck on to the end of something that was already a complete. So 
I, I actually, I, I've been on this, this, um, this kick about like the phenomenon that is nostalgia, like the sensation. Mm-hmm. I, I, this has raised the bar because this is now showing that nostalgia is not something that's relegated to what comes after. Like, this is something you should be able to wield in the moment should you need it. And hmm. it occurred to me that plenty of other things, like movies that are like single self-contained movies, will have their own nostalgia. Like, there's hmm. there, there's tons... Of the, I wish I could... I wish I had written down some examples. But, um, like, at the end of Act 2 when the hero's failed or something mm-hmm. before he gets back up again, you know, he's maybe, maybe he's returning to a place of comfort and then, you know, maybe gets some advice from the mentor or something like that. Like, uh, th- there's, this happens in Scott Pilgrim. So like, in Sc- I know it happens in, uh, in Lord of the Rings as well. I mean, Samwise is full of a bunch of those moments. Yes. Yeah. Also, that that moment where uh, Frodo is saying, "I wish the I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish this this had never happened." Like mm-hmm. where he he wants to go back to the good that was before, and then you know he's saying this to Gandalf. <clears throat> yeah, of course, you know the best person you could be bringing one of these problems to, but uh, Gan- Gandalf, you know, kind of consoles him to get him to you know accept that you can't go back but it doesn't mean all of that's gone forever mm-hmm. and it's kind of a thing where you where you remember what you're fighting for okay so like that's really what it is we're like mm-hmm. there's a lot of stories where like at the end of act two they've just got knocked back down to rock bottom and it's the process of them kind of remembering why they started or who they were before uh any any all, all types of stuff like that and yeah. the modern uh, I guess not compulsion, but modern. I don't want to say disease, affliction, obsession. I don't know. What's the, I don't know what the best word is, but uh, it's it's this kind of you want to get there without laying any groundwork. No one wants to do their own world building. No one wants to do their own original characters. No one wants to write their original story. They just want to write enough to to like right enough to get you to that moment and then they want to give you that moment repeatedly mm-hmm. without end like I, I i'm not watching it because i'm done I'm, I'm never coming back i never it's not gonna happen but the book of boba fett i've heard is atrocious because this is all it can do like i've heard the book of boba fett is the new rock bottom for star yep, wars it's full of it because it's Full of the member berries. Yeah. And, or full of the the, the fake, uh, you know, lab-grown member berries. Yeah, and, and it is to the detriment of anything original they had done. Because as of the Book of Boba Fett, season two of The Mandalorian did not matter. Because, well, I mean, I guess these could this could be spoilers for people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you shouldn't be watching Star Wars shows. They're bad. Stop wasting your time. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> like you honestly this is a come to jesus moment y'all gotta stop it's 
It's not coming back. It's not going to happen. <laughs> like you want this. Disney needs you to want that so they can continue monetizing and wasting your time. But Disney can't do it. It's not going to happen. What you should do instead is watch Star Wars Episode 4. And then if you have time, 5. And then if you have time, 6. But, like, let's get on with our lives. Um, <laughs> they, they bring back Grogu. They bring back Mando. They bring back Luke. They bring back Ahsoka. None of this stuff is earned. It doesn't even feel in place. And the the moments, like the sense that would help you decide what's the best way to do this, it isn't there. Like, mm -hmm. what's the best way to have Ahsoka and Luke Skywalker's first interaction on camera? It is not what was there. Like, there needed... Also, why was it the Mandalorian for two episodes? <laughs> yeah, that too. But... Which is just... Dumb. <laughs> well, I, I think it's because that was going to be the Mandalorian season three and they had already recorded it, but then the pandemic happened, mm -hmm, so they had to delay mm -hmm. uh, production. Um, also, they don't care about anything, so that also helps that decision. But uh, like Ahsoka, who is the former apprentice of Anakin Skywalker, who becomes Darth Vader, spent a lot of time with Anakin at his uh, highest and then lowest point in life mm -hmm. was like, they're involved with it. And then there's, there's everything that happens in rebels. Is that all you could come up with for Ahsoka and Luke Skywalker being on camera in the same room together? It should have had way more emotional. <laughs> one impact. throwaway, one throwaway line of you are so much like your father. Yeah. Um, wow. Oh, great. Great addition there. Disney, please, we have to fire Disney. And then the only way to do that is, is to stop putting up with this. But um, like I'm saying, that is, it's completely inauthentic. I mean, it's obviously artificial. Mark Hamill didn't even mm -hmm. do the voice for Luke. That's a voice synthesizer. That's not even a person. Uh, you, if you want to talk about fake... Also, this is to astroturf them doing this with Leia. You know it is. Because it's like, mm. oh, we did it with Luke and everyone liked it, didn't they? All of the losers liked it. But th this is how it's done. I mean, at all. Not even well. Like, the way that modern Hollywood does this, it, it, it isn't even succeeding to do it poorly. Yeah. Because there's, there's nothing else there. It is only the moment that begins Act 3. And they only are interested in that moment, and they have yet to do it. They've yet to pull it off. And that's why, you know, the term member parries was coined, because we've become aware of that. Whereas before, this is just, this is just a part in a story yeah, it's the the self reflection part, right? It's it's I mean the kind of um, getting getting back to the to what you knew worked, and then using your your new knowledge to augment mm -hmm. that. You know, it's the it's in it's in every it's in every hero's journey. So this pulls that off. You're you're getting the gang back together. You're getting Yoko back, and sort of. 
all all of the people from the past, not because they're from the past, but they came back because they're the ones yeah. that would come back. Like that's that's what the nostalgia seems to be. It's like it's not because it's old, it's because you remembered it. That makes it nostalgic. If I'm making any sense yeah. at all. Yeah, I, th- I no, I think that does make sense. <clears throat> okay, and I mean, like, also, it's it's a you know they're recognizing, hey, the old way that we did things worked. This new government clearly is not going to save every living thing. Right, but the answer is not just go back to the old way. The answer is mm-hmm. we've we've gone off track somewhere along the way, and we all have a feeling that. It must have been after this, which is why we need to return to this and then reassess where we are. It's like, <clears throat> this is, I'm going to steal one of the millions of excellent metaphors from C.S. Lewis, but he's like, <laughs> if you can't, it's like, if you can't turn around and go back up the path after you started going the wrong way, then you, you can only, things can only get worse. You have to be able to right. turn around and go back to the point where you did know where you were. Like, you know, that that in a way is the redemptive story. Because we all know, you know, when you're born, you ain't done anything wrong yet. But you're going to mm-hmm. do something wrong. <laughs> and it's constantly, you know, adjusting for that. But with new knowledge, like you're you're gaining wisdom and that helps that like helps your ability to realign once you you know, get yourself right back to, uh, I guess. A, right. So you're not, you're not just staying where you were. You're, 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 you're evolving, evolving in the right direction. <laughs> right. And, and, but you're, you're also constantly going back and readjusting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, well, I, okay. I guess this happens in a later episode. So I, I'll, I'll save that, <clears throat> but it has to do, it has to do with Rossio. Mm-hmm. And Ross, you sort of realizing that fact, where it's like you you have to literally be able to walk things back, and yeah. in order to move forward. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm trying to get back to where I had the notes for episode twenty. We still haven't made it to episode twenty one. Might have to sprint that one. It's it's kind of its own self contained story. It's you know Yoko yeah. being a teacher for the first half first of bit. it is yeah yeah first half. Um, these episodes feel so long. There's so much, like, there's so much plot crammed into the, like, so many freaking things happen. Uh, mm-hmm. It's crazy. But at the same team, they, at the same time, they feel like they go so quick. <laughs> it's almost like that's the best way to do things. It's almost like, yes, having a lot of things happening means they all feel like they're going quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of course, within reason, <laughs> but you know, not right. not quite Batman versus Superman, but uh, <laughs> where every scene is ten seconds long, and we have exactly that many scenes in a two and a half hour movie. But uh, yeah, the one of uh, okay, I just wrote down a bunch of lines that I really liked. I don't know if it, some of them would certainly qualify as battle cries, but I, I don't know. But uh, I, I I really liked Keaton's comment to um dayaka where he's like looks like 
the sky has a ceiling now too, where mm-hmm. it was like, ah, oh, we thought we were out of this. <laughs> they keep trying to box us in. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of, uh, oh, what I was talking about earlier, and ex- uh, the thing with the, the Beastmen, where it's like, you have to, the Beastmen and the hybrids, like they have their place at the edge and like mm-hmm. whether you're pushing humans into the edge and kind of forcing the beastmen to to operate and kind of fight for them or you're cramming them into a prison like that is under your control that doesn't work the anti spiral then also occupies another place in that and uh, i mean well it's basically right there in the name i don't i don't yeah, I, I don't mean, think i really need to elaborate as to what that is, but like the anti-spiral, okay, what do we understand the spiral as? This thing's literally the adversary, the capital A adversary, as some may call it. Like th- this is the uh, the negative reaction to any good. Well, and it's also kind of the manifestation of that uh, restrictive border that you're trying to put on everything. You're saying the anti-spiral is that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they're, they're, they're the ones who are kind of like, yeah, we're, they're putting humanity in that box. But in doing so, humanity is then putting more things into boxes within there. So it's like they are, they are, um, they are collapsing in that structure, which is causing everything inside to fracture more. Yeah. Uh, I mean... What I think is funny is, and and this is, this seems to be, like I said, I'm, the the lines are constantly blurring as to what is belt and what is just quality storytelling for me, because uh, I I, I think the genre of belt is almost like a Western, like I think it's that kind of genre where Hmm. it's very aesthetic because mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if some of these characteristics that I thought were specific are specific to it at all. And they might just be products of telling things well. Because mm-hmm. the, the sort of perspective of, of a, a, an opposing force in Belt, they're always futile, yet... They argue that resistance is futile, even though they're the ones resisting. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I, why can I never remember this poor guy's name? Sukasa in Doctor Stone. <laughs> yeah. He is the resistance. He is resisting progress. He is resisting the spiral. You know, the cycle that. Uh, um, or the, not the cycle, the, the circle that then layers on top of itself. Like, mm-hmm. Tsukasa is the one resisting. He is not the orderly one. He's the one trying to put things into boxes and causing chaos. <clears throat> That's exactly what the anti-spiral are doing. And the anti-spiral are... Oh, dang, okay. That would That would jump ahead. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But, I mean, okay, everything I've said up to this point is fine. I mean, I guess I have to expand on it later, which I will once mm-hmm. we see more episodes. But, you know, once, once you get a, a more a more higher resolution understanding of the anti-spiral, I mean, literally getting an understanding 
rather than these, this is just bad guy.jpg. Like they just, <laughs> they just hate everything that's good. They're freaking killing innocent people. We have to stop them. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, another thing I wrote down was uh, the boys are back. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. once they all kind of get in that same room at that moment you were talking about where they throw him the core drill, and it's like, yeah, Simone didn't expect to get that back, but he didn't get it back from Rossiu. Like, that would have been a different moment because Rossiu hasn't, Rossiu hasn't realized, you know, uh, Rossiu hasn't realized that he was possessed yet, I guess. Um, but he does later. Yeah. We are not there yet, but he does later. Uh, but yeah, yeah. When everyone's kind of back together, and then uh, I can't remember the wording. I'm trying to remember. Rossiu says something to uh, Keaton about how it's a futile effort, and Keaton uh, calmly yeah, that's just. What's so great about yeah, it? Yeah, he and he and he's very calm. He he doesn't even like, you know, he, he doesn't even like you know bellow that out like we know he could have. He just says, "Right, that's what's so great about it." <laughs> it's like that's. That's what we do, bro. Like, you should know this. You were there. Like, uh, oh, man, that that sort of cope where it's like your catastrophe. Like I said, he's setting the bar extremely low and the stakes extremely high. Whereas mm-hmm. the inversion of that or re- maybe not the inversion, but putting the bar just as high as the stakes is where everything kind of clicks into place. And you get that, that kind of, um, you know, you you get that moment where the hero is smiling in the face of certain doom. Yeah. Where it's like, this is certain doom, but it's at the precipice of certain victory. <clears throat> what else was there? I see. Um, <laughs> I just put down the line that Yoko said to Nia. She's like, so I don't see you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> she, I, I love that she accuses her of being boring that was great right. <laughs> it's like that's a great accusation of like what is like the greatest threat to life right now is you're boring now <laughs> alright so that was all of episode 20 episode 21 mm-hmm. was kind of the the new life Yoko was trying to live yep. um, before you know that leads up to the before destiny comes scene. knocking Right. Uh, I I liked that little vignette. That was cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I kind of like how her nostalgic moment is that this kid kind of reminds her of Simone. Mm-hmm. And they're they're up on that and tree. They get that view. Oh yeah, there it is again, baby. <laughs> the sun and the moon. The, you know, that orange and blue, which is just so striking because, I mean, they mm-hmm. tell you that in Art 101. And it's like, yeah, well, here it is. It's great. Um, I like how her nostalgia is lining up with the viewers. So it's not just a thing where mm-hmm. it's like, here, this character is going to do a cameo to give the audience nostalgia because that is, um, I think, what they're calling it in the, um, I guess, the, the critical space for these kinds of things, uh, and, and not the not the access media, you know, in, in quotation marks, critics, but the actual critics, mm. they call this jangling the keys, where it's like, ooh, mm. look, shiny, 
<laughs> for the audience to just forgive everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like how there are people who actually were getting excited about the book of Boba Fett and were like, oh, they're going to save Star Wars now. And it's like, yeah, they're jangling the keys and you like the shiny thing. Um, when it's just for the viewer, where it's like, hey, there's a camera over there, looky, looky. It's basically breaking the fourth mm-hmm. wall in order to try to convince you, no, this is good. This this has been written. This had a script at some point. Um, yeah. This is... This is not that. This is, we are experiencing Yoko's nostalgia because she is experiencing it. And that's what is kind of, this isn't even like, okay, now I have to, now I have to change my understanding of this because this isn't an act two moment for her, really. This is kind of just like, or no, it is. Okay, it is. Because she's kind of hiding from, you know, her, her her whole thing being a teacher here, it is her kind of trying to escape and have a separate life. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. Kind of like move away from the, from what was happening before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we don't really get too much on why she wanted to do that. I mean, in, mm-hmm. in fact, we get very little and that's almost the point. But she sort of, she she isn't under any um, delusions that she belonged in that world that Keaton and the other guys were kind of trying to make themselves fit in. Yeah. She's like, no, it's, it's not going to work. So I'm I'm not doing that. So, you know, she, she rides off on her motorcycle and her cool jacket and it's like, well, you know, that's, that's what that character does. And we don't see what they're up to. Right. But then you disappear for a while and they come back when they're needed most. Right. And then you see this and this clearly isn't, what she was doing the whole time. Right. Because this, this does just a year. Yeah, it does. It's like a, it's just a single year. It's a, and it's the year right before she has to come back. So you have to figure mm-hmm. she has wandered for quite a bit. Like she's done a lot of going from place to place, to place, to place, to place. And now this is the last one we're getting. And this is the moment that she kind of remembers like maybe a previous point in life where she knew she belonged like she was, mm-hmm. she was participating in the right journey, um, <clears throat> and that's what inspires her to leave. I think that's funny because it's like she, she kind of brings everyone together in this little school, and it, that's when she has to leave now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I like that kind of um, contradiction. I wish I can remember who said that. Or who was talking about that? Where it's like the way things go is not how we expect, and that's funny. Like, like it's funny how things never go the way we would expect. It's like, well, the way things go, like that existing is because we are observing it existing, and it's just funny how we constantly can't predict it. Yeah, where it's like. There's so many contradictions where it's like I can't explain. Well, if we could pre- the uh, the argument was like um, if we could predict it, then we would also assume that we created it. Mm. Well, hey, that's another thing. Oh, also that reminds me that was definitely from C.S. Lewis. Yes, yes, it was. Yeah, he's man. What, what's the what's the um, the intellectual equivalent of an earworm? 
because his burrow in there that's like whoo man that's a that's <laughs> that's a banger man <laughs> full of them full of them that that is an eloquent <laughs> triumph is what that is but uh <clears throat> anyway uh, I don't know I got, I'm kind of trying to hurry cuz I know you uh you you don't have much time so I'm my children are sick <laughs> What what are they, what are they sick with? Is it like just a cold or it's something? Like they they got the sniffles and it they like they get all snotty and then they can't breathe and then they wake up. Yeah, and that's freaking miserable, man. <laughs> oh, ugh, dude. There's nothing like when you wake up and you wake up because you're trying to breathe through your nose and your nose is stopped up and so you're just like I can't breathe and then you're like Oh yeah, I can breathe through my mouth. Yeah, it's like a horrible invasion. It's like this is my place of peace. And you're you're choking me. <laughs> Who is you? My dang immune system. My own mucus turned against me. I'm getting stabbed in the back. Anyway, um, <clears throat> the the next thing I wrote down was <laughs> honestly, Viral just gets everything he gets. Oh yeah, it's just the best part of every episode that he's in. He's like, I know who you are. You're that fool from Team Gurren. And the, uh, what was the other one where he was like... This thing packs um, a punch. Even with the I know that better than anyone. <laughs> and even with the humiliation that I've suffered at the hands of this thing, my body still knows what it wants. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, dude, everything about... I loved Viral's, like, shock when he asks him to pilot Gurren Lagann mm-hmm. with him. Like... The shock on his face that immediately is just like, well, of course, this is what's happening. <laughs> uh, like, oh, man. And you know what? I, this is a thing I talked about in our Promare episode from a very long time ago. But Promare is a culmination in many ways. They, they I mean, mm-hmm. they, they pitched it as that. It's, it's a culmination of Imaishi and um, uh, Nakashima's work. Mm-hmm. It's also... It's not just a culmination in like the themes and the 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 stories they're trying to tell, the point they're trying to make, and you know a lot of the the visual stuff. It's also a culmination in the uh, the voices, because remember, Promare, they got Kaimina and Viral's voice actor on the same team, because they were the mm-hmm. ones flanking uh, Leo as like the other two gang members. That was Kaimina and Viral is. Getting them, you know, they finally get their chance to work together. Ugh. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is awesome. Kind of, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, this was this was nice that you got to do this. That's mm-hmm. to be fair, it's a key jangle, but but it's a very it's a very meaningful one that was kind of you can tell was done for the people working on it. Less so just yeah, for the honest. Very subtle. Right. Especially when it comes to animation. Yeah, it, like voice acting is way less uh, obvious. If this was, you know, on screen and you had, or I say on screen, that doesn't, live action, and you had yeah. those two actors say, casting those things, it would have been a little more obvious. But yeah, because it's like Viral, Viral didn't even realize when Kamina died. Like yeah. he had to learn that after the fact. Ugh. And then there's, Ugh. you know, there's that moment in that episode previously where he's like, <clears throat> all of this has been happening from a child. And then he's like, 
what is your name? <laughs> He's like, you're now my new arrival. <laughs> but uh, yeah, him, him kind of sitting where Kamina sat. That's a, ooh, gosh, man. There's just, I almost can't describe just how right that is. Like at this point in the story, every every single beat is right on freaking time. Mm-hmm. I the pacing got better as the show went on. I think the second half has better pacing, which is crazy oh, yeah. because I think that's not how people remember it. But people also, you know, when they get to this point in the show, they watch it all at once. They can't put it down. Right. It's like this is too good. Yes. The end of dude. <laughs> Every episode ends with something awesome where it's like, I have to see that. End of episode 19, Simon and Viral are in prison together. It's like, I got to see what happens now. End of episode 20, Yoko comes back after like shooting at Nia. And it's like, <laughs> I have to see that. And then at the end of this one where they're in space. Also, I, I loved, <laughs> I love when the team Gurren pilots learn something about themselves or their equipment that they didn't know. Where they're like, yeah. <laughs> she explains something about like they're they're. You can fight in space. Okay, we go do that. Yeah, this is like, oh, we go do that. I think that was uh, Jorgen <laughs> and Balanbo that said that. Yes, <laughs> but um, which I've got their names memorized now. Uh, but anyway, every they're they're in space, and Simone and Viral give that speech, and you know Simone is basically the confidence in Simone's voice is that it's like, it's almost, it's just untouchable. Because mm-hmm. at this point, it's been clear he's not going to get through to Rossiu. Like, the fact that Rossiu has gone this far means Simone can't get through to him. And then in this moment, Simone just knows he's getting through to Rossiu now. Where he says, remember, this is the drill that's going to pierce the heavens. And they're there in space, and like, Ross, you knows that this was like he he lost, like he doomed everyone that's on the ship now, and of course this yeah. is when Simone shows up. <sighs> yeah, yeah, he, he I, actually it says was, it was that moment. It was that moment that I was like, I I am not stopping. I am watching the rest of this right now. <laughs> but the actual line that that he calls out to get Rossiu's attention when like Rossiu like has his head down, he he just hears. Rossi, you don't give up. And it's like, mm-hmm. gur, gur, gur. <laughs> I just, I, I can't, I didn't write so down that whole speech. Goosebumps. I didn't write, write down the whole speech, but episode 21, go to uh, the, go, go to the marker of 22 minutes and 20 seconds. There it is. If y'all want to hear it again, because <laughs> I wrote that down. I'm like, <gasps> I got, I got to get that somehow. I, I got, I got to get that in there. <clears throat> Okay, so now we have to decide. Did we decide how we were going to cover this at the end? Oh no, wait. I keep I keep forgetting that it was uh, Outlaw Star. That's the kind of the the strange yeah. number of episodes. So, so we do have so we have Gurren two more Lagan. parts. Yeah. But then we also going to do the movies. Yep. So. Yeah. So <sighs> we we had two more parts for the just the show itself. I think it's crazy <laughs> that episode twenty three is called. Let's go. This is the final battle. And then there's freaking four more episodes after that. And it's like that that is exactly what you think it is. Mhm. 
It's like, oh man. It's like, yeah, the, the, Act Three is gonna hold that much of your attention. Don't you worry. Oh, it is just a nonstop. Like it's glorious, absolutely glorious. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess I don't. I don't know. I don't know what else I can add. Uh, I kind of at this point, I'm like, let's let's not talk about it anymore because there will be plenty to talk about later, uh, <laughs> and we won't have to worry about as many things. There will still be some things. Yeah, there's to worry still about. there's still like the biggest things too. Uh, I wish I wish that when we planned it out, like that we had the foresight because um, with when I watched ahead. Or when I went ahead and finished the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I wish that when we would have planned in. out. Yes. <laughs> I wish we would have planned out that this chunk would have been episode 19 to episode 23. And then the rest of it would have been the, the next episode. Um, oh, okay. Simply because, <laughs> because when I watched it, uh, I actually got to episode 23 and I was like, okay, I might be able to stop. I might be able to stop, and oh, then I didn't. Yeah, it's but, like a better. Uh, but it would have been the easiest point. point to break off. Yeah. Gotcha. But. <laughs> well, I mean, here we are. We we didn't do that. So. But I have. Uh, I had. I'd like. I had to watch through it so that I could focus on these three episodes by themselves. <laughs> Is that the case? <laughs> okay. I'll take your word for it. I guess. Dude, it's crazy <gasps> scrolling through the thumbnails for these episodes. Like, the mm-hmm. way the art style changes over time. Mm-hmm. And I wonder mm-hmm. how much... Especially, like, <clears throat> starting at uh, the next couple episodes. Yeah. I, like, Keaton in this thumbnail that I'm looking at. He, It's just... It's a different art style. I wonder how much of that is intentional and how much of that is... Uh, we have these storyboard artists working on these episodes, and we're all working on them simultaneously. That's normally the explanation, but even if that is the explanation, they've ordered those artists deliberately, it seems, because things are getting gradually <clears throat> grander. Keep, keep burping. Um, th- things, at least in in the uh, the second half, post time skip. They're getting gradually more and more like the kind of thing you know Studio Trigger for, which are mm-hmm. those thick black lines, a uh, lot of close-ups, a lot of tense facial expressions, and then you know a, a lot of uh, a lot of lavishly, like lavish secondary animation. Mm-hmm. So I think they they position these deliberately. Which makes sense because I mean you would you would kind of do that like the first episode after the time skip is, you know, a lot of standing and walking around. So who, whoever you know, just this guy, he's good at dialogue scenes. Just have him do the storyboards for that one. <clears throat> yeah. And then as things go on, man, some of the faces that they're pulling in the uh, the thumbnails are just like, yeah, that's that's a completely different mood now. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I mean, I guess we can wrap that up. Yeah. I don't know what else to, yeah. to talk about without getting into spoiler territory, but I, I'm rather satisfied. I don't know if we... Hmm. I can't remember if we talked about um, the kind of stuff to do with nostalgia on the show, but I'm thinking 
maybe I need to do something with that. Maybe I can't just keep that in my head. Because it almost feels no, like... we've talked about it a couple of times. I, I, uh, I think we talked about it in an Outlaw Star episode as well. Okay. Well, what I'm saying is, I think I'm going to have to make... I think I'm going to have to make something with that. Because I don't think it's going to stop mm. knocking around in my head. And that might be the best way for me to think through it and figure out what I actually think about it. Yeah. But, you know, um, easier said than done, <laughs> considering the fact that <laughs> I don't make much anymore. <laughs> Save for this. <laughs> but, yeah. And we can wrap it up before we get to an hour and a half. I, I, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll act like, hey, we were concise about it, right? <clears throat> yeah, hour and a half. Okay. Go beyond plus ultra. You can listen to the podcast in less time than it would take to watch the. Sh no, it would take longer to listen to the podcast. Yeah, no, we took to the we took longer than the episodes. We did the thing. We did we did we did the we did the every frame of pause thing. It's like, hey, let's talk about every single frame. Uh, killing people's bad. Um, Go beyond plus ultra. You already pierce the heavens. Yeah, pierce the heavens. Yeah, we gotta we gotta bring that one in. Oh god. They someone authentically did the who the hell do you think you are? I think it I think it was Viral. Oh yeah. And it's like hey, he knows. Okay, I'm stopping it there. <laughs>